the book of Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to read one verse, and then we'll talk about the resident or the president. Chapter 5, verse 18. This is a command from God. It is a what? It also can be a contrast between one and the other of the two things we're going to talk about. It also could be a word that we realize that needs to be applied to our life on a regular basis to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It could be a command. It could be a comparison of the two between that and wine and also a contrast. But let's read it. And be not drunk. Let's, you all follow with me when I stop. And be not drunk. Be not drunk. All God's people say. With wine. Where is success? But be filled with the Spirit. And some of the words in the Bible you'll find when they say like field, it means continuing action. There's different kind of verbs. Uh, I took two years of Greek, or it took me when I was in college. Uh, I didn't remember a whole lot of it, but uh, I got by. But uh, you have punctilio verbs, and you have continuation verbs. You have those verbs that continue in action, even though they got an ED on it. It means to continue to do that. Be you continually filled with the Holy Spirit. So it's good, good to be filled today, and it'd be good to be filled tomorrow. And then the next day comes, be good to be filled again. And it's F-I-L-L. Now, Miss Tina, she feels good. F-E-E-L feels good, and that's good to feel. It's good to feel good. Amen? Amen. But it's also good to be F-I-L-L-E-D, filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And if you love me, keep my commandments. And this is a direct command through the Apostle Paul from God Almighty about the power and the presence and the purpose of the Holy Spirit of God is to control our lives. And so let's pray together, and then we'll look at a few verses of Scripture. Uh, I gave the introduction last week. I'll not rehash that tonight. I will tell you what my therapist said, so you can help me pray about this. I'm taking speech therapy. And she, very nice lady, very knowledgeable, tells me what I may have the rest of my life, try to stop it as much as possible. She said, when you start talking too fast, you'll start stuttering. So I said, you want me to slow it down? She says, well, when you get into preaching, she says, if you just remember to take a deep breath, it'll give you some extra air. So she demonstrated. She said, pull your stomach in like this, suck in. She said, better still, suck in by your nose. Ma'am, I can't think about that when I'm preaching. So what I'm going to do Sunday, I'm going to say, excuse me just a minute, and I'll turn around. So if I have a breathing exercise, you know what it's for, okay? I appreciate their help. I'm not, not trying to be cantankerous, but sometimes I feel cantankerous. So brave that I'll be able to develop. And so if, if I'm, from time to time I forget a word or two, it doesn't come out right, okay? Be, in, be not drunk with wine, where's excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Father, bless us tonight. May we glean the truth that will make us a blessing to others. Lord, we live for you, and we live because of you, and you taught us to live for others. Others, Lord, let this my motto be, let me live for others, that I may live like thee. We have one life to live, to soon be passed, and Lord, we want to please you. So many times we come short to the glory of God, and sometimes, Lord, we do not do what we know we're supposed to do. And this is a command of God, and you said if we love you, we keep your commandments. 
so many times, Lord, we get sort of sidetracked. We forget, we fail, and we need to be reminded. And Lord, help us to do that again tonight. And help us to grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ that we can become more like our blessed Savior who had to have the power of the Holy Spirit on him as he faced the onslaughts of the devil and the ministry he had while he was here on earth. He needed the touch of God and grateful that the Holy Ghost was able to help his man part. We know he was God, but we're glad for the Holy Ghost that was there to assist. We was even glad, Lord, there was times when angels came to minister to him to help him, to strengthen him. And what he, just, what he experienced, we can experience. Times when God can do the unusual in our life and help us when we think there's nobody can help us. God always is there, available, and thank the Lord for that. Bless we pray our time together in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. May be seated. I left off asking a question. What is the relationship of the Holy Spirit to every believer? What is the relationship of the Holy Spirit to every believer? Brother Brandon, you'll read this in just a moment. I take you to John chapter 3, St. John chapter 3, verse 5. And Tommy, Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Chapter 1, verse 3, verse 5. Chapter 3, verse 5. Titus, Titus chapter 3, verse 5. And the reason why I had trouble trying to get it out, I have John 3, 5 typed. I have Titus 3, 5 written in longhand. So I can read my typewriting, but I can't read my writing. When I write normal, I guess that's what it is. So we're going to have those two verses in just a little bit, some other verses as we go along. Number one, every believer is born of the Holy Spirit. Every believer is born of the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. If you have the Holy Spirit, you're saved. He is the instrument that births us into the family of God and takes up His tabernacle and abode in us the rest of our life. Sometimes I feel Him. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes He's close. Sometimes it seems a million miles away. Sometimes I say, Lord, I've aggrieved you. I've hurt you. The Holy Ghost is never, is never forces himself on us. He's there to help us, but never makes us force him. Because he's not, be, he's not there to be forced. As Jesus had to yield the Holy Spirit in his life, so must we. And so God has started by birthing us into the family of God. So John chapter 3, verse 5, read it real loud. Everybody listen as we go along. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Let's read that one more time. That was great. Read it real again. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And all God's people agree with that? Amen. You know, if you're born once, you'll die twice. If you're born twice, you'll be born, you'll be, you'll, you only have to die one time. Born the first time, if you don't get saved, you'll die another time. It's called the lake of fire, which is a second death. Or if you uh, get saved by the Spirit of God, you don't have to die physically the one time. It's the point of a man wants to die. After the judgment, some folks are going to die twice. Some folks are going to die forever. It's eternal dying. We have eternal living versus eternal dying. Where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. That's forever and forever and forever. And every individual outside of the ark of safety, which is God's 
divine love and being born again by the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit has not saved you, you're lost. And if you're lost, you're going to hell. If you're saved, you're going to heaven. If you're born again, you've been born the first time physically. I was born the first time physically, May the 17th, 1946, as far as when I discovered this world. I think I was along before, nine months before that. But I discovered the world, May the 17th, 1946, outside my mother's womb, place of safety. And I'm grateful that I did. I'm grateful that my mom birthed me. She didn't even think about getting me aborted. That wasn't on her agenda. Uh, she had six kids. Uh, one died in early childhood, premature, died when she was about five days old. But mom birthed six kids in this world. And I'm grateful for her, part of that being the vehicle used by God to bring me forth the first time and give me physical life. And then I'm grateful that I got saved the second time. Now, I don't know the date. I wish I did. How many knows the calendar date that you gave your life to Jesus Christ? Raise your hand. Not very many of you. wonder why. How many knows the month? Okay, how many knows the day? What day was it? It was on a Monday. Somebody touched me. Now, let's just say it right quick. If you got saved on Monday, would you raise your hand? Anybody get saved on Monday? Would somebody like to get saved on Monday? Nobody. How about Tuesday? How about Wednesday? One, two, three. How about Thursday? That's tomorrow. Anybody got saved on Thursday? How about Friday? There's one. How about Saturday? There's one. If you don't know or you did you did get saved on Sunday or you don't know what day you got saved, you claim Sunday. All those that were saved on Sunday, raise your hand. I got saved on Sunday. I know it was a Sunday. But I wished I wrote down the day. But that doesn't it doesn't conclude everything. Salvation that's only the beginning. Salvation is the eternal work of God. And you know, sometimes folks go back to an experience that they had when they were a child. You can't live off experiences. You go back to the truth will set you free, not your experiences. Everybody has different experiences getting saved. Some children, they cry. Like this morning in chapel, uh, one of the young ladies, she's, she's just bawling, and she went over and got her a Kleenex and, and dabbed her eyes as she went back to the seat. Some folks do that. Some folks never cry a tear. You can't base it on how the experience you had Everybody's different emotionally, temperament. We have different temperaments. But we've got to be born again. You must be born again. Jesus told somebody in the Bible, you must be born again. Who was that? Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews and uh, perhaps the Pharisees. He came to Jesus by night and seeking the way to know the truth. And he says, marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. And of course, Nicodemus, he couldn't figure that out. How can a man be born the second time? Does he have to enter back into his mother's womb? Now he said, boy, that's ignorant on his part. Yeah, but you're living this side of Calvary. He, he was just, he, he, hadn't, he hadn't experienced the same thing you experienced as far as knowledge and truth. But we got saved. You look back over your life, we were saved by the grace of God the same way. One looking toward the cross and one looking back to the cross. But that's when salvation takes on that linear action. It is a continual action. You continue to live. You continue to live. You live eternally, ever, forever, forever. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in Him should not perish, but what? Everlasting. Everlasting. So it's forever and ever. 
My name is in the book of life. And all God's people said about their own name. It's in the book of life. It's there. Your name has been placed in the book of life. He said, don't be, so, don't be uh, proud or don't be braggadocious or don't be full of yourself that you can cast out demons. He said, he gave power to the disciples to do that. I was reading this week in my devotions about where he gave them power, authority over disease, over some of the impairments of their life. He gave his disciples the power to do things too, just like he did them. He went away, and in the book of Acts, you find the power of the disciples of what God enabled them to do miraculously. And may he not do the same way to do it today. He could. He can do whatever he wants to do. But the fact is, you had to be saved, born again, have a born again experience, even though you may not remember. I don't remember my first birth. How many of you when you were born the first time? Well, don't be too hard on people who sometimes don't know how it was on the first birth. They don't remember all they said, and maybe it clicks somewhere along the way as they begin to grow in the grace of the knowledge. It's all based in receiving and believing, receiving and believing, receiving and believing, receiving and believing. And the more you understand the word receive, and the more you understand believe, without faith it's impossible to please God, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, for the wage of sin is death, and the gift of God is, there it is again. It'll just take some, just sometimes thinking about it, it's enough to make you want to shout. Yeah. I was telling somebody a while ago, or today sometime, just to think that God loves me in spite of me, and he forgives me every time I fail him. If I were God, I'd get tired of me coming. Or somebody coming. Every, some people confess their sins every day. Let's see. How many of you do that? How many not sinned this week? Raise your hand. Tell us how you did it. You did not sin one time this week. Yeah, I'm not saying you didn't, but could you go a whole week? Could you go all day without sinning? Sometimes we forget the thought, the attitude and the action, the flesh and the spirit. I'm not guilty of the flesh so much. You know, I haven't drank, got drunk, I hadn't committed adultery, hadn't killed nobody. Thought about it a few times, but never have done it. But the fact is, the spirit, that's sometimes worse than the flesh. It's the reason why when you read the Bible, uh, he, he put some sins right in there with the fornication, the abominations, and all the other big words in the Bible. He put some of those words in there that maybe are not uh, noticeable, that are still sinful, attitude problems. And we all have those from time to time. So I'm grateful that she got born again. Nicodemus was told by God. And I believe Nicodemus is one of the kind of guys that was there at the cross of Calvary. I believe he, he was one of those that still cared about it all the way through. And I'm glad for Nicodemus giving his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm glad that Titus chapter 3 verse 5 is in the Bible, which says what, Tommy? Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. And read it one more time. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. You see that regene in there? Regeneration. See, I have a new birth. I have genes of my dad and my mom flowing through my body, grandparents. And you have the genes of your ancestors. And those genes, DNA, we talk, talk about it so often. I have a physical DNA. Tra trace my lineage back to wherever it goes to as far as they, as far as they can. And I'm sure you do too for some time. You trace your grandparents or great-grandparents and you come from their lineage, you come from their, they're your ancestors. 
But then he says, the washing of regeneration, regene, I've been regene. I have a new set of genes in my life. By the power, how was it done by the Holy Ghost? Say it again, read it again. Whole verse? Yeah, whole verse. Not by works of righteousness. Stop right there. Say it again. Not by works of righteousness. And what's the word righteousness mean? Right doing? Yes. Right living? Okay, go ahead. Which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. Amen. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is involved, is what I'm trying to say. The Holy Ghost is involved in our life to be born again and also to help us in our Christian life. And looking back from where we come from, you know, is a tremendous thought to know what God has done for all of us. He saved us because of His mercy. We were not deserving. We are not righteous enough to be saved. I can't be good enough to go to heaven. I just can't do it. I can try all I can. And the reason why, and you've heard me say this before, there's only two religions in the world. Only two. Now we talk about the Muslim religion. We talk about the Buddhist religion. We talk about the Shinto religion. We talk about the Jewish religion. We talk about the Christianity. We lump, lump all those and then we get all the cults in there, the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons and etc. And we try to lump them all together. And there's, but they're all religions except for one, and that's Christianity. Christianity is not a religion; it is a relationship with the God of Heaven. Right. Now we use the word, maybe generally speaking, that it's part of a religious movement, and folks say we're religious because we're Christians, but we're Christians because we're saved by the grace of God. And every other religion is depending on something else to get to Heaven. See, they're not depending on what we're depending on. I come to the cross, simply clinging to the cross, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away, my sins rolled away. I'm clinging to the cross. I'm crucified with Christ, Paul said. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life I now live, I live by the faith of the power of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm grateful to God tonight that I've been able to be regened and brought into the family of God. So I have two sets of genes. I have my physical genes, and then I have my spiritual genes. And that's the reason why you get to 1 John. talks about, you know, whosoever born of God doth not commit sin. And that's a good scripture to go to sometime and, and talk about it, because a lot of folks read that, and they say, well, I've committed a sin since I was saved. Well, let me just be sure I'm on the same page with the rest of you guys tonight. How many of you have committed a sin since you got saved? Would you raise your hand? Now, God bless you. You don't have to raise your hand now, but have you committed more than one sin? Let's go back to how old you was when you first started. If you started when you were 15 years of age and you're 45 now, that means a bunch of years you've been living. And I guarantee you, you've committed some sin since that day. If you get a hold of the grace of God, it'll make you shout on the inside. If you get a hold of the grace, I'm going to heaven because of the grace of God. You'll say, well, preacher, I don't care what I do then. I'll do anything. I can just live any old way. You don't want to. So you get saved, it changes you want to. And you want to is different. It's different now since Jesus made me whole. And because he made me whole, I don't want to displease him. These people who say, well, I'm saved and they can do anything I want to do, it don't matter, I'm going to heaven. You, you got the wrong concept of salvation. Amen. You're depending on your works to get you to heaven or you're overriding the grace of God and say God's going to forgive me regardless of what I do. He can and he will, but if your attitude is to save you, you're wrong. And some folks, I've talked to folks that have got saved, said, well, I've got eternal life, so I'll just live any old way I want to. You missed something along the way. And may God help us tonight. So anyhow, what's the relationship of the Holy Spirit to every believer? We have been born of the Spirit. You've been born twice, physically and spiritually. To 
Randon, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, and Brother Tommy, verse Romans 8, 16. Romans 8, 16. We've been quickened by the power of the Holy Spirit. The word quickened in the Bible means to make alive. You were dead in trespasses and sin. You were dead in what? Trespasses and sin. And the soul that sinneth it shall, and the wage of sin is? And the lust of the eye and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And he who continues to do that is going to die forever. And somewhere along the way, getting a hold of the fact that I've been made alive, I'm not dead. Now, when I die physically, and you come by if you want to come by, and if I'm right here, I'd like to have the funeral here if I could. And, uh, you know, my body's right there. And you come by and you say the words you say, preacher sure do look natural, don't he? I look better dead than I do alive, probably. But I've been quickened by the power of the Holy Spirit. My spiritual life has been quickened by divine presence of God's Holy Ghost. And I'm not in that shell. My body is there. That's all it is. My real me, who's been redeemed to live forever, is in glory at the very moment that I die. As soon as the last breath leaves my body, I wake up in glory. That's enough to shout about it. You know, if we talk long enough, we can all be shouting. We'd always say with Miss Tina, I feel good. Somewhere along the way, we've got to get to feeling good, not for our salvation, not because we're trying to make ourselves feel good, but because we do feel good. But feeling is deception, deceiving. You operate by faith. Faith comes before feeling. You've got fact, you're a sinner. The fact is you're what? How many of you are slow down, sorry, good for nothing, scallywag of a sinner? And all God's people said how many has done things you wouldn't put on the screen tonight? All right. The fact is you're a sinner. Number two, for by grace are you saved through faith. That comes second. Faith is simply trusting in God, taking Him at His word, taking that He told the truth. I've got to have faith to be saved. By faith I'm going to trust Him or believe. Whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He that believeth on the Son of God shall not be ashamed. Believeth, John 3.16. And so that faith moves into action to trust God to save me by the power of the Holy Ghost. And then the feeling comes down the road. I believe anybody's been saved any length of time, every once in a while is going to feel something. Illustration. Uh, and you've heard it before, so it's not a new illustration. The little boy was going along in the backyard and he had a kite. And he was holding on this string. And then this man walked by the street and he saw this little boy. And he walked back here and he said, son, what you doing? He said, I'm flying a kite. So the man took his eyes like this and looked up in the heavens and he, he looked and looked and he couldn't see no kite. He said, son, how do you know there's a kite up there? Oh, I like this. How do you know there's a kite up there? Every once in a while I'll feel the tug on the line. Amen. And every once in a while you'll feel the tug on the line. It may not be this monstrous as some people are. I mean, there's some people who go to church all their life. They never shout outwardly. But every once in a while on the inside it just sort of bubbles up. Right. It's bubbling there's something that's sort of churning taking place on the inside. I can't explain that no more than I can explain to you how I'm saved because it's a mystery. Like the, the first birth is a mystery and the second birth is a mystery. It's mysteriously how God can do that. But He does the saving. We just do the receiving and thank God for that. But the fact is I've been saved with God's grace. If I could revel in it, and I mean rejoice in it, read the whole book of Philippians over and over again, Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Don't rejoice in my feelings. Rejoice in the Lord. Before long, if you rejoice enough in, your, in the Lord, it may affect your feelings. And man, all of us need to feel better sometimes. Sometimes you, we're, we're sick and afflicted. I think the last two years have been tough on me personally. 
And I'm not bragging, I'm not complaining about that, but it's been difficult in my life. And I don't want to come in here and talk about how bad it is. It's getting better and better and gooder and gooder and sweeter and sweeter. Or we just lie all the time we sing. We sing songs like, it's getting sweeter as the days go by. It gets tweeter, tweeter, tweeter as the days go. We sing those songs and sometimes we're miserable. We don't enjoy the Christian life. We ought to be able to enjoy the Christian life while suffering the, the tough life. Amen. And at least that's what the Apostle Paul said. Rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice for, for, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. And Apostle Paul, you know, when he wrote the book of Philippians to the Philippian church, he was in jail. And he had a pretty good attitude. He told him to rejoice. And sometimes we just grumble and complain about life, and all of us sometimes can be guilty of that. But the fact is, there needs to be a realization that you have been born again. You're a new creature, Brother Brandon. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Wow. Isn't that great? All things are passed away. Old things are passed away. They have become new. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I've been created unto good works, the Bible says. I have been born again, created by God for His purpose, and that's to do good works as long as I live in this world. My works won't save me, but it's a good proof you are saved. See, if you don't have a desire to do anything, you probably ain't got it. Somewhere along the way, even kids, they, they come to a place in their life, they want to be used of God. I remember those days when I got saved and went back to school, and Mrs. Engel was her name. She said, well, before we start class day, anybody got anything they want to share with us? That happened to them over the weekend. Now, you got to understand, I'm a shy, backward kid. She said, James, you got something? Stand up. That's back when you stood up and referenced the teacher. Or then you, if you didn't, you get your bottom beat. And you know, she, she said, James, what you got to say? And I said, well, I went to church Sunday, and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And Mrs. Engel... Let's shake hands. I mean, not shake hands. Let's, let's clap hands. I told you the other day, Mrs. Angle will come to hear me preach years later. Little did she know what encouragement it was for me to stand up in front of my peers and say I've been saved. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that made me saved, but with faith without works is what? Dead. Faith without works is what? So I've got to have faith, but if I just have works, they're dead. And it's a big debate that goes through the Bible by some theologians about faith and works. But I believe you work because you're saved. You don't, you don't work to get saved. You work because you're saved. You want to do something for God. You want to hear the well done at the end of life. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been ruler over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. If thou hast given a cup of water in my name, you'll not lose your reward. So we talk about rewards on the other side. And folks, and I've heard this debated also, it don't really matter if I don't get any rewards just as long as I get to heaven. What a stinking attitude. Amen. What a stinking attitude that is. Well, I don't really care about getting rewards. I just want to get to heaven. Well, why do we get rewards in heaven? Well, number one, he's going to show recognition for our faithfulness. It's going to be according to the deeds done in the flesh. So the deeds we've done in this life since we've been saved by the grace of God and the Holy Ghost lives on the inside... We are going to be judged by the works that we've done in this world. But remember how we're going to give praise and honor to glory. He may pass out crowns to folks. There's what, seven of them mentioned in the Bible? There may be hundreds of different crowns. But all the crowns will be passed out according to the will of God 
as he passes out crowns. And then the, the day comes when we take our crown and cast it at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine standing over the side and saying, Watch, how come you're not kneeling? I don't have any crowns. He didn't give me any. Now, eternal life is a crown itself. I understand that. You're going to heaven. And sometimes a man can be saved. His works be burned up. Is that in the Bible? Yes. So you can be saved, but your works be burned up because you did it for the wrong motive. See, you got saved and you want to use your ability, so you got to feel pretty good. And you're singing to impress somebody else. When you sing, you don't impress anybody else. You impress the God who reached down and saved your wretched soul. It's not about you trying to make an impression on somebody or same way of me preaching. It's trying to make you think I'm a great preacher. I need to come down to realize it's all for God. Whatever you do is for the glory and the honor of God. We've been born to serve the Lord. And whatsoever we do, we'll do it for the glory of God. Revelation 4, 11, been born for that purpose, for the glory of God. And then we become a child of God and enter into the family of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Now let's read one more verse we'll quit tonight. Every believer is assured by the Holy Spirit. How do I get that assurance along the way? I may doubt from time to time, but how can I have the assurance of my salvation? Romans 8, 16. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Amen. Now, you read along with the rest of the word. How do you get assurance of salvation? Is just read the Word of God. I preached on radio this week, and the Sunday I started Sunday through Friday, I think it was preaching. These things have I written unto you. That sounds like a written book somewhere. These things are written unto you that believe that you may know that you have eternal life. If you want to find out if you're really saved or not, read First John chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four, chapter five, and mark the birthmarks of a believer. You find it's an amazing study to be able to study the birthmarks. How do you know you're saved? Well, I, I don't know. I have, I have many doubts. When you have doubts, go back to the source. Go back to the Word of God. Go back to the source of all authority. Thus saith the Word of God. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? He didn't make words about it. He said, be saved. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Nicodemus, you got to be born again. He don't have to say it a hundred times. He says at one time it's settled. You must be born again. And I'm grateful that God taught us in the Bible to go back to the written Word of God. When you have doubts about anything, when you have doubts about the promises of God, there can be an inner assurance. See, we want to separate the Word of God and the Holy Ghost. They work together as a team, if I can put it that way. He saves our soul and gives us the Holy Ghost to dwell in the inside, to enable us, to equip us, to show us, and to give us the victory we need in our life. Sometimes we just need some assurance. I'm going to ask the question. I'll be through. You've been saved how long? Some of, most of you raised your hand a while ago. You've been saved for a long time. How many of you have ever, ever doubted your salvation since you've been saved? Raise your hand. Well, isn't it awful? Think about it. I'm doubting my salvation. Do you know who one of the greatest doubters in the Bible was? That was one of the greatest men that ever lived? His name was John the Baptist. God said, never has there been a man born a woman greater than John the Baptist. But when John the Baptist got thrown in prison, he sent, he sent his, some of his messengers over to Jesus and asked Jesus, is he, the, is he the Lord? Is he the one I'm waiting on? Is he the one I introduced? Is he who he says he is? Well, that's doubting. I mean, he baptized Jesus. You think he'd go back and remember he baptized Jesus? 
the dove came down, lit on Jesus Christ, or the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove, and the, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. John was there. But while he was in prison, don't you think he might have got a little discouraged? When he was in prison, don't you think he might have got a little down? In the prison, don't you think the devil jumped on his shoulder and said, oh, that's all just fairy tale. It all didn't really happen, John. You're going to die. You're going to have your head taken off your shoulders. And he did after not too long, too long after that. But Jesus sent a message back to him. You go tell John. Everything's going right according to plan. Everything's all right, John. John everything's all right. You listen to me? Boy, I need that. When I looked at the world and I saw them talking about the axis of evil this week, I saw the alert that said every point of the world is to be on notice that there is could be danger where you're at. Get all Americans home as quickly as possible. Now, that could be binging on a World War III. I don't know the prophetic calendar, how God's going to work it all out. But they're all hating it. Even the people who said they love the Jews are now hating the Jews. But it reminds you, they hated me, and they will also hate you. And because of being a Jewish nation and being the very creation of God, back to Abraham's day, there is a wonderful story that's found in Judaism. And one day they'll receive Christ as Messiah, but their eyes are blinded. They can't see it. They don't understand it. And they, they know they're a chosen people. They know they're precious to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all that. But when a Jew sees the Messiah, it, it, it puts a whole different perspective on his life. He, this is the one that I've been looking for. I went to Israel several years ago. Uh, the women raised the money to send me the Holy Land back in the 70s. They didn't raise enough for me to get back, so I had to pay my own way back. They just wanted me to get there and get me out of town. I mean. But the women raised the money to send me the Holy Land. And I went with Richard Adams, who was a former pastor, and he thought he was a Jew. He was a red-headed fat guy. But we went down the Wailing Wall, and he got him one of them beanies. What do they call them things? Yeah, and he puts one of them little, little hats on. He goes down the Wailing Wall. You, if you ever seen them, they're doing this. And they take little pieces of paper and write messages and stick them in the wall. Sometimes, sometimes they just do it verbally. Here goes Richard down there beside these other rabbis. And Richard Adams, a good friend, is in heaven now. But uh, we had a wonderful trip. Because he never passed up an eating place. He knew where the best eating places were. And I was glad I was right beside him all the time. Let me tell you this, and I'm quit. We were in Tel Aviv. This is on the news today. They're trying to bomb the outer skirts of Tel Aviv now. We were in a, the big hotel there. And had a certain banquet that night. And uh, Richard was showing pictures to some of the waiters and people. He had a picture of a, of a, a man that looked like a woman. He said, they said, they laughed when they saw it. They said, boy, that's funny. He said, did you laugh about my wife? You shouldn't be laughing because my wife is not as good looking as your wife is. You just pray for her. He laid his billfold down on the, on the table. And he, you know, you carry cash to try to survive and to pay bills and eat and so forth by the things you had to buy. So while he was gone, I got his billfold. I didn't tell him. Nobody else told him. After he got through fellowship with everybody in the hotel, that was the kind of guy he was, he came back and he said, well, I lost my billfold. I said, Richard, surely not. My goodness, that's terrible. He said, what am I going to do? You reckon one of them waiters got it? I said, I don't think so. And he said, this is, this is awful. This is terrible. 
I waited till he cried. <laughs> Isn't it awful? Make a man miserable for a while. And then I pulled out his billfold and he said, I'm going to slap you, I'm going to kill you before we get back to America. But the fact is that Tel Aviv and places that are precious in the Judaism religion, a great city, even moving the capital city from Jerusalem to Tel Aviv, and uh, how important it is in their, in their, in their work, work, works and walk of life. But all points don't notice. It all could be blown up. I'm not sure how God's going to do that. But somewhere along the way, somebody break, make peace with Israel, right? Somewhere along the way, somebody's going to make peace with you. And he's called the Antichrist. Maybe he's alive right now. Maybe just around the corner. Before that happens, we're out of here. Don't fret, don't worry, and I'm through. God said it. I got it all together. I got it. I got it right in my hand. And I look at that sometimes, it brings almost apprehension to my life. What's going to happen? And you hear me say, everything's all right. Everything's right on target. What if you got to die? Well, that's all right. Don't worry about dying. For me to die is to still live forever. So praise the Lord. Now, let's stand together. Thank you for your kind attention. I didn't have to stop and take a breathing exercise tonight. Father, we love you tonight. I know sometimes we laugh, sometimes we cry. Sometimes, Lord, we're up, sometimes we're down. Sometimes, Lord, we can seem to be faced about anything. Other times we can't hardly face the daily grind of life. One day all that will be passed. Oh, happy day. On oh, that glorious day. And the glorious appearing of the great God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Whether we go by death or go by the rapture, it's all in the providence of God. Lord, help us to love you better. Would you forgive me tonight when I let you down? Oh, God, cleanse me by your blood. Help me not to sin. But, Lord, if I do, may I confess it. And may our church be some of the best confessors in town. Lord, may they confess their sins. And then John the Baptist was a great man, but he had his doubts. He was human. Help us all to live for you and serve you. Bless the invitation now. Lord, we'll give it to you in Jesus' name.